Good morning, Calvary. Tim Faulkner here again. Good to be with you. I'm drinking my coffee. You know, in Naples, Italy, we we get our beans. It's Café do Brasil. I don't know if I said that right, but we enjoy our, our coffee and we know that it comes from Brazil. There's an Italian-Brazilian connection, I think, that goes on there. So good to be with you again. Mm. Get your coffee and uh, looking forward to enjoying our time together. It was just over a year ago when I passed the baton of leadership to Danilo Bozza, a young Italian bilingual Italian to take over as pastor of Il Faro International Baptist Church. I suppose you could call that my success story. It hasn't happened very often in Italy. Uh, before Jackie and I ever arrived on the mission field over 21, 22 years ago almost, we knew that uh, many missionaries, while they had started churches, they had struggled to turn over their churches to pastors and leaders that they had prepared to succeed in ministry after them. And so as I was a student in seminary, one of the things that I did was to travel to Italy and to read some books on missions in Italy and ask the question, um, how will you do it? How will you turn over your church to uh, Italians that you've prepared to succeed when you're gone? And while by and large, the missionaries all wanted to do it, when I would ask them how, it would become very vague and, and um, abstract and not quite so clear until I met the colleagues that we would then go on to join in ministry uh, for the next 22 years. Tim Monahan uh, asked me to read a book. It was by a missions um, professor out of Biola called, named Tom Steffen. And the book was called Passing the Baton. In that book, he laid out a plan to prepare to pass the baton before you even start a church. And that was a, a concept that blew me away. But what it reflected was the fact that even in going in, before we were even started, we were going in with an exit plan. And so to recap, in Italy, many missionaries have effectively dropped the baton. And that's not to criticize their efforts, but let's just say that it's easy in, um, in the church and Christianity to fall in love with results like baptisms and increased attendance, but never produce disciples who make disciples. What do you think? Which goal is better? A new disciple who gets baptized or a maturing disciple who makes another disciple. Both are the goal, right? But one is better. New believers are wonderful, but they're infants in the Lord. Spiritual parents are the, the goal that we all should attain towards, to see that infant grow to the point where he or she becomes a parent and can give birth, help lead another one into the kingdom. So, Handing the baton of leadership to Danilo Bozza could be called my success story. But in reality, I just completed the final chapter of what had been many years of investing in developing others. 
And there was no guarantee. There was no guarantee with Danilo that that would ever be a successful story. In fact, we had passed the baton four or five times over our history. But what was different this time was it was time for the missionary era to end in the church there in Naples. And Danilo would go on alone with his own set of elders. And we exited, and that gave us an opportunity that we ultimately believed was something the Lord had been preparing us for our next chapter as general secretary and wife of the IBC, and we're very grateful for that. So why do I share that with you? Uh, one, as I step into the role of general secretary, you know probably, maybe not, that your church is part of the IBC and may not know what that means, but I want you to get to know me and Jackie. We look forward to visiting you in better times after the crisis and spending some time getting to know each other. Uh, we don't just want to lead disciple-making in the IBC. We want to live it out before your eyes. And then the second reason why I share that story with you is because I want to reflect with you again on the basis for our confidence in God's work. Last week, we looked at Deuteronomy, and we looked at the fact that uh, God doesn't bring us this far to leave some of us behind. Now, we have different roles, different functions, different gifts, different responsibilities, but everyone has a place to play on the team. And we also saw that God fights for us. And so as we deal with our fears, and fears are a reality for each one of us, um, God is there going on ahead of us. And finally, we won't do it perfectly, but... Uh, our mortality and our mistakes are more than compensated by God's great mercy. And uh, we get to celebrate. I'm certainly testimony to that. I didn't do this perfectly. I was only a part of it. Uh, Tim Monahan invested a lot over the years in our church and others as well, many other people, to bring us to this point. I got to be the one handing the baton to Danilo, and that was really special. But each one of us has a place um, to play, and we're going to do that imperfectly. And so that brings us to a more specific question today, and I've kind of just uh, given you a clue to the answer, and that is who is responsible for the growth of the church? And so what I'd like to do with you is shift away from the Old Testament, come into the New Testament. In many ways, this could be a parallel passage to the one that we looked at last week. Different contexts, different people, the people of Israel, the people of, of God in the church. But uh, many uh, similar principles that I believe will encourage us this morning. And so I want to give you two observations and two principles that come from Ephesians 4 and my own experience. So here's the first observation, then I'll give you the first principle. A missionary who pastors a church is like a grandparent who raises his grandkids. It's not ideal. God bless those grandparents who are raising their grandkids when something happens that takes mom or dad out of the picture. When I met my wife, Jackie, I soon after met her father, and his wife, and they were raising one of the grandchildren. Um, I don't know what happened, 
And I can say that, that um, in their life, Matt, the grandson, has been a big blessing. But certainly Jackie's father, Jim, and his wife, Linda, never intended to be raising a grandchild, and especially at their age. Parents raise kids with the hopes that they will be ready for adult life, and that when they have kids, they will raise their own kids. Parents don't expect to raise their grandchildren. And the same is true in the church. Missionaries, church planters, uh, people who um, create new ministries don't, shouldn't, shouldn't be the ones parenting their grandchildren. They should be raising up adults just as parents raise their kids not to be older kids, but to become adults themselves and to become parents. That is the goal of every one of us who leads ministry in the local church. And so to apply this principle, we need to realize that uh, we need to do some self-evaluation because the longer we hold on to the baton of leadership, whatever the role, the more difficult it becomes for our successor to step into our shoes. And so here's the first principle, and that is that God's work requires multi-generational focus. Ephesians 4, chapter 11. I'll give you a, a few seconds to, uh, to turn there. Ephesians 4, chapter 11. I, I think I have a slide as well. It says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints. Now, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, that might be one role. Those sound like pretty serious roles, and they were necessary. It was necessary to have people of that level of competency, ability, experience, and maturity to get the church started. But just as we've seen with Moses and Joshua, just as we've seen in our discussions with my example in, in Naples, and we know in the early church, it's been this way for 2,000 years, those people were neither immortal nor indispensable. Rather, they were to prepare others to take their place. For every Billy Graham, who we lost a couple years ago, for every Ravi Zacharias, who just passed away recently, we need millions of people sharing the gospel if we are to fulfill the mission of the local church to make disciples who makes disciples. And so God's work requires multi-generational focus. Another way to say this is that God's work requires us to pass the baton of leadership to those who we have prepared. This means giving away ministry rather than building our own kingdoms and counting that as a gain and not a loss. If we fail to reproduce, it's our own fault. Now, saying that, we recognize that it won't be easy we recognize that the content part is probably the easiest one to get. There are Bible studies. There are many training materials out there. There certainly is simply, if we want to, look at the example of Jesus in the New Testament. 
or the apostles with their disciples. But leaders do the harder work and make mature disciples through the process. So let me repeat, if we fail to reproduce, it's our fault. Let's let that sink in and we'll come back to it. But let me take preaching for example. A couple years before, uh, as we began to discuss, before I passed the baton to Danilo, could Danilo become the pastor? He was uh, 33 at the time and um, said, hey, sure, he's Jesus' age, why not, right? But uh, what people started to ask was, okay, but we've never heard him preach. I said, well, okay, we can solve that. And so we created a, a homiletics lab, a class, a preaching lab. Once a month, I would meet with Danilo and other guys, and we would talk about how you take the scriptures and interpretation of a passage and then bring it into a, a context or a, a form in which you could deliver it as a sermon. And, and then he began to see how I prepared sermons. We began to discuss that together, my own sermons. And uh, often I would preach in English. He would translate into Italian. He was beginning to get some experience being up front. Eventually we switched roles and he started preaching. I started translating and we would e evaluate. We would prepare together. And to this day, He's been a pastor now for a year and three months, and I've been uh, off the elder board, off the leadership. He continues to send me ideas and say, hey, Tim, what do you think? This is how I think this passage is lending itself to be preached. And so we created uh, the context to develop him into the preacher that he has become, and I would say in many ways, a better preacher than I am. And so that is the way that we reproduce ourselves and others. That is multi-generational focus. Uh, when we take a young disciple who has never um, done a ministry or, or shared their faith or taught others or, or, you know, we could make a list of things that they could do for the kingdom of God, we find enthusiasm, a lot of enthusiasm, but also a need for direction. They don't have any experience. And so that's where we start. Then as they gain experience, uh, they tend to fail. And so that enthusiasm wanes, which means that we need to encourage them. We need to coach them. Delegation is, is far down the road at this point. We're just trying to get them to get to a level where their motivation is equal to their competency. And when, when that happens, then we're able to pass the baton knowing that they're ready to do it on their own. It, it really is similar to the way that Jesus trained his disciples. And maybe you've seen this before, but at the beginning it's I do, you watch. Then it's I do, you help. Then we switch roles. You do, I help, and finally, delegation is you do, and I watch. And there's a critical uh, space there between I do, you help, and you do, I help, that uh, has been called the pit of despair. 
It's the point at which our disciples can become discouraged to the point where they say, I'm never going to get this right. There was a time in my own preaching experience where I said to my colleague and others, look, if my preaching is that bad, just tell me. I don't want people to suffer. I'll sit back and let somebody else preach. But that wasn't their their goal. Their goal was to challenge me to get thicker skin, to understand where I was falling short so that I could become a better preacher. And so on our illustration here, you'll see this little pit and a, a little ladder because leaders are ladders. Leaders help people out of the pit of despair towards competency. If we can help people turn the corner to where they have more confidence in humility because they know that they need, need to learn, then we can get them on the road to being able to do ministry without us. And then we can pass that baton. That's multi-generational focus. And so two questions for you and me. And you might say, just like I ended my last sermon, recognize some of you are at the beginning of your journey. And so we say we can teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. And so it may not be much at this point, but all of us, if we have some experience in following Jesus, can pass along something to someone else. So how, so the question would be, how are you being prepared for the role that God has for you to play at Calvary in the local church where he's placed you? And then how are you then preparing someone else to take the baton from you? when the time comes. Passing the baton is part of the ethos of a disciple-making church and disciple-making churches. And that's what we are in the IBC. And that leads us to the second observation. And that is that every disciple is called to be a disciple-maker. Jesus said, go and make disciples in Matthew 28 his final words to his disciples. Just consider then your leaders as lead disciple makers. Um, perhaps you've seen the sign in exiting a church. I don't know in Brazil if it exists. It did in my uh, growing up in the local church. There was a sign that above the door as you'd walk out that would say, you're now entering the mission field. And in many ways, I would agree with that. I would agree that there's a sense in which we all are missionaries, that the time that we gather on Sunday morning, as the writer to the Hebrew says in chapter 10, is to spur us on to love and good deeds. It's to send us out to make, to be and make disciples through the week. So we're all missionaries. Um, but some will be called to missions overseas, or some will be called into particular fields of mission. And that creates uh, a challenge often in the church, a dynamic where uh, we often hear 10% do 90% of the work. But that's not the vision that God has for his church, that a certain small percentage do the lion's share of the work in the local church. Again, remember, we're asking the question, 
who's responsible for the growth of the church? Is it the leaders? Was it the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? And that's the issue that Paul addresses as he continues in verse 12 when he says, to equip the saints. To equip who? The saints. To equip the saints for what? For the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So if the role of the leaders is to equip the saints, then who are the saints? And who builds up the body of Christ? I don't know about your experience, and, but in my experience growing up in the church, I assumed the leaders were hired to do the ministry. I assumed that we paid our pastors to do the ministry. I didn't understand this vision of God that my pastor was to equip me to do the ministry. And I think as leaders, it's easy to fall into that pattern where um, we, we see so many needs and we're the ones working full-time, dedicating ourselves full-time. We're the ones that may have even been able to go away and get some Bible college training, reached a, a level of competency, and obviously have the respect and trust of the people we serve. And we tend to do the ministry. Equipping takes a lot longer. Equipping means that the things that get done may not get done as well as we would like the first time as people are gaining experience. And yet, uh, that is the role, that is the job description of leaders in the local church. And so as I ended last week's sermon, again, I would ask those of you who have been doing ministry for many years, who are you mentoring? Who are you preparing to take the baton? Because that second observation leads to a second principle, and that is this, that God's work requires not only multi-generational focus, but widespread participation. If you are part of Calvary, and you are not somehow plugged into ministry in your local church, then something is wrong. Something is wrong. The church is losing out on your participation. The church is not being edified. It's not being built up as it should. Your question might be, well, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure how to do it. I don't know where to start. And that's, uh, those are all equipping kinds of questions, aren't they? They're the kinds of questions that you can use to have a dialogue with your leaders, asking them to equip you. God's desire for every disciple is that we participate in the life of the local church. There are no Lone Ranger disciples. There are no islands. Disciples are not islands. We're part of community. Paul did not write to Christians out there in Christianity somewhere. They were always part of local expressions of the big C Christianity, the body of Christ around the world. And disciples, Jesus, who are disciples? Jesus defined a disciple in Matthew 4.19 when he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so we see three 
parts of a definition of a disciple there. One, someone who's following Jesus, someone who is being transformed by Jesus. He says, I will make you into something. And then what was he going to make them into? Fishers of men. We're on mission with Jesus. And so God's work will never be limited to something that only leaders do or only people with more experience than I have do or only people who have more Bible knowledge than I have do. No, God's work requires multi-generational focus. It's going to be around, hopefully, when you and I are gone and our children's children, our spiritual children, are carrying on the work that God started that we're a benefit, that we're benefiting from right now. And it's going to have widespread participation. We will never reach our potential as a local church or local churches without the participation of all believers. We all have a role to play in the work of the local body. And so God's work requires passing the baton. There is equipping to do in order to engage everyone. We want everyone to be engaged. Does that make sense? I hope so. I think today's bottom line is this, that God's work will always outlast us, but never overlook us. God in his infinite wisdom created this thing called the local church. And it's, it's the greenhouse for our growth. It's the laboratory for learning those places in our character that need to change to learn new abilities and competencies that we can apply in his kingdom for the growth of his church, for building up his church. And we are part of that. And, you know, we're only part of it for a time. Each one of us is mortal. And Jackie and I were reminded of that. It wasn't long after I passed the baton to Danilo when the people we love there in Il Faro, you might have a similar word in, in Portuguese, but Il Faro, the Lighthouse International Baptist Church there in Naples, Italy, in the south, they started coming up to us saying, what's next for you guys? We love you guys. We don't want you to leave. And certainly we have love for them and affection for them. But we knew that if we were to stay, uh, it would be inappropriate. It'd be like the grandparents being around and people would continue to look for us to give leadership. And it was time for Danilo to lead. And as we began to think about this, um, reflected on the fact that God had given us uh, 22 years in Italy, 18 years with this church in and out in different periods, that the people I was looking at in the seats, some of them had been there for 12 years. Some of them were on uh, duty with the military, the American military. They would only be there for nine months or maybe two years. But it, it's not about us. It's not about jacking me. It isn't about you. Calvary is not about you. God has given you a time in the life of Calvary. He was there before you. Calvary was his idea before it ever began. 
by God's grace, it will, it will be there long after you. So don't make it about you. Make it about God's work. Love on the church. Invest your life in others. Invest your life in multi-generational focus. Invest your life in widespread participation. Become equipped and equip others for the work that God wants to do in your generation, but for generations to come. Whether you have three months or nine months or two years, five, 10, 15 years, it eventually comes to an end. And it's not just an issue of your mortality. If you have a role in the church, then there was a time when someone looked at you and saw potential in you. And as a result of that, you are doing the ministry that you're doing today. Why would you rob someone else of the same opportunity? You know, I used to sit up front and preach, and preaching is one of those things, maybe not the greatest example, because not a lot of us are going to preach. There are 52 calendar Sundays in a year. Uh, it's not a small group. We don't get to, to interact. The, the context is not right for that. Too many people in the room. We wouldn't get very far if we all tried to speak. And so one of us is going to talk for a half an hour on Sunday. And so we could easily become very possessive of that. Preaching is one example, small group leadership, teaching Sunday school. But sharing our faith in the workplace is, a, is an example where we all, we all should be competent in equipping others. And so God's work will always outlast us, but it never overlooks us. And so I want you to reflect with me today on what your role is. Who's responsible for building up the church? Who's responsible for the growth of the church? We all are. We all are. It's not the leader's responsibility only. It's, it's not just your responsibility or my responsibility. It's our responsibility. Why is that so important? Someone has said, if you want to create a movement of disciples, you'll never have enough churches making disciples. If you want to create a movement of disciples, if we want to reach the world for Jesus Christ, if we want to make disciples, carry out the Great Commission, then we need disciples making churches. Do you see the difference? Not churches making disciples. There will never be enough of those disciples making churches. When you and I go out and we make a disciple, and that disciple makes a disciple, and that disciple makes a disciple, we have the potential beginning of a new church. If we want to create a movement of disciples, we need disciples making churches. Have you ever thought about the fact that God might want you to make a church? He might use you or one of your disciples to do that. Just do your part. God will do his part and others will be called to do their part. But that's all God is asking each one of us to do. Just do your part. And so may we, with prayerful discernment this week, ask God, what is our part? His work always outlasts us, 
but it never overlooks us. God bless you as you apply whatever you found useful from this message in your lives this week. Let's pray. Father God, we're just so grateful that technology allows us to be together this morning. And I'm so grateful for this church, for Nathaniel and Julie and the leaders there. And I can't wait until the day when we can be together in the same room and I can get to know so many of my brothers and sisters in Christ there. COVID-19 has forced us into our homes. It's forced us to interact on Zoom, but it hasn't um, removed our need for fellowship and community. It hasn't taken away our responsibility to make disciples. And so may our eyes be open. May we have spiritually sensitive hearts this week to see where the potential lies. It might be raw material right now, might be diamond in the rough, but maybe we have eyes to see where we ourselves need to be equipped and where we can equip others for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Bye-bye.